Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's, let's open with verse 19. Chapter 1, verse 19. James chapter 1, verse 19. Therefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wicked, wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. Father, there's so much here, and as we study your word tonight, I ask, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would just quicken these verses to our minds. Ask, Lord, that our hearts would be open to receive. I pray, God, that this would be a time that would be profitable to the kingdom when each one of us would receive that for which we so long and desire, that which would, would cause us to grow in spiritual things, that which would meet the needs. Lord, you said your word would not return unto you void, but would accomplish that for which you've sent it. Lord, would you anoint uh, both the congregation, and this pastor as he brings forth this word in Jesus' name. Amen. Every revelation that we get is for a purpose. And this Bible, as you read it, God will begin to quicken things to your heart. And as we get these revelations from the Bible, they have a direct bearing on our moral lives, upon our moral beings, and upon a, uh, the way we live. No word of the New Testament is given to us in order that we may know truth, but that we may do truth. Now, there's plenty of truths which have absolutely no bearing on a way a person conducts themselves. Uh, 
some of the truths that are brought forth by science. I mean, they're great truths, but they will not change a person's life. Mathematical formulas. They don't directly change your conduct. You may wish that you had used the right formula when figuring out mathematics. And it may get you a little upset when your checkbook don't balance. But it doesn't really change your life. This book here will change your life. And if it's not changing your life, then you're doing something wrong. This is meant to change your life. I want you to just note with me here, starting with verse 19. It says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, let everyone be swift to what? Swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. We got two ears, and we only got one mouth. That ought to tell you something right off the bat. We got twice as much to hear with as we do to speak with. Maybe God was trying to tell us something. Most of us run off at the mouth so much that we don't hear what God is trying to say to us. We get down on our knees to pray, and we're forever talking. We don't figure we're praying unless we're talking. When we ought to be do, doing more listening than we are talking. And it, it says that the wrath of uh, man does not work the righteousness of God. So what we're interested in is the righteousness of God being worked out in a person's life. And this is done as we read verse 21 and verse 22. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and uh, overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness, here it is, you're to get rid of the overflow of wickedness. Take, lay these things aside, it says. Then there's something that you're supposed to do. Receive. So you lay aside something and you receive something. You see it there in verse uh, 21? Lay aside all these filthiness and all this filthiness and so forth, but take to yourself the implanted word. And so we're going to be talking about getting this word into our life. Jesus said, if you love me, do what? Keep my commandments. That's right. And then in verse 22 here, it talks about deceiving yourselves. 
it's possible for a person because they go to church because they do good things to deceive themselves and think well I am holy I am what God wants me to be I am righteous before God and what James is saying don't deceive yourselves it's the implanted word that is going to work the righteousness of God in you. The implanted word. Just a mere intellectual grasp of a, a Christian truth doesn't, doesn't get the job done. There's going to be plenty of orthodox Christians and theologians and students and teachers that's got a big surprise coming on the day when Jesus divides the sheep from the goats they think that they're all right they've deceived themselves hey listen there's many a Many, many people that take the name of Christ, and not everyone that cries, Lord, Lord, is going to enter into the kingdom of heaven, right? And so there is some people that are deceived. And we don't want to be one of those that are deceived, right? It's not what we believe. But it's what we do with what we believe that's important. Turn with me to Matthew 7. Matthew 7 and verse 21. That's, I was just quoting from here just a minute ago. I didn't realize that's where it was. Not everyone who says to, the, uh, t says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Not everyone shall enter in, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. It's not the ones who profess the word of God. It's the doer of the word of God. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not uh, prophesied in your name? Boy, I mean, we had some charismatic meetings. I prophesied in your name. I cast out demons in your name. I healed, I seen people healed in your name. Didn't, done many wondrous things in your name. And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. In other words, they're not doing the will of God, and whatever is not the will of God is against its lawlessness. He who is not with me is against me, isn't that right? You know, we can do a lot of good things 
and still not be doing what God wants for us to do. And so we don't want to get deceived. Am I doing the will of God? You know, I think some of these people think because I built a great big cathedral and I got 1,500 in my church, I'm going to go down in the annals of heaven, you know. I'm going to be one of the greats in heaven. Not necessarily. Because it's not on how big uh, he builds the church. It's on whether he's doing the will of God or not. It's a personal thing. And so we don't want to deceive ourselves. Matt, uh, going back to James, if you'll turn over to James chapter 2 and verse 19, he says, You believe that there is one God. You do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, old man, old foolish man, that faith without works is dead? See, these people have deceived themselves. If believing by itself would get you to heaven, then the demons would be there. They believe in Jesus Christ. Believing in Jesus Christ is not enough. It's doing. It's letting Jesus live in you and do through you. It's being one with the Lord Jesus Christ. See, I have been baptized into his death, and I have been and I have raised in the likeness of his resurrection. I am, for all practical purposes, I am Jesus Christ. I'm not saying I'm deity. I'm saying Jesus lives in me and I in him. It's no longer I that liveth, but Christ that liveth in me. And only that which is is motivated by Jesus Christ is, is going to be eternal. That which is motivated by the flesh is going to, going to perish. That which is flesh is flesh. That which is spirit is spirit. <coughs> and so that's what James is trying to get across here, that we shouldn't deceive ourselves. It's more than emotion and feelings. Oh, in the past 15 years, I've seen more people run from church to church looking for a feeling. You know? They had such a wonderful experience in their conversion that they're still looking for that same prickly feeling or goosebump something down their back or something. And if they can't find it in your church, they go somewhere else. But it's more than feelings. It's more than emotion. Praise God, I love to have an emotional service. What we had here a couple of Sunday nights ago was glorious. Amen? Probably Marvin will think that uh, what we had here, what was it, Sunday night before last? 
and, and, and the Spirit flattened him out here, he'll go on thinking that was great. Well, he should. But we can't live on them emotional feelings all the time. You know, fire's good, but I think the best purpose for a fire is to get a head of steam up, that the engine can move. See, God's got a work to do. And sometimes the spirit really moves and, and we get all fired up, but what good is it if we're not going out there and doing something with it? Right? You know, sometimes I come in and, quite frankly, I don't feel like worshiping. Do you ever feel that way? How many's ever felt that way? I just don't feel like worshiping today, you know. Or I don't feel anything. I, I don't feel the spirit. I, I don't I feel dead as an old doornail. Uh, maybe I don't feel like singing. Well, let me ask you, who's in control anyway? The spirit or the flesh? Are you going to go by the spirit or are you going to go by the, by the way you feel? So when I, when I come in and I don't feel like worshiping, I go by the word of God. He's worthy of my praise. If he's worthy of it, then I'm going to praise him whether I feel like it or not. And I'm going to praise him whether you praise him or not. If you want to join in, praise the Lord. You don't want to join in? Too bad. You missed it. Hallelujah. <clears throat> There's times when you're going to have to force yourself to do the will of God to do what the Word's telling you to do. The Word says, don't do something. And maybe you feel like doing it. If the Word says don't, then you better not do it. Get yourself by the nap of the neck and say, I am not going to do it. It's as easy as that. Because when you make the decision, God will give you the power. Hallelujah. Now, I want you to note in verse 25 that there's a perfect law. A perfect law. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. It's perfect because it's God's law. That makes it perfect. All right? It's perfect because it's God's word. It's perfect because it's more than a command. He not only tells you how, but he gives you the power to do it. 
All right? And I want you to know the doers of this perfect law. There's several things that are required. One, it says that they're to look into the law. All right, what is this law of liberty? Let's look into it, all right? Turn with me to Galatians 5.13. Galatians 5.13. We've got to find out what this perfect law is. For my brethren, for you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use the liberty for an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, serve one another. Now watch this next verse. For all the law is fulfilled in, the, in one word, even this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You want to live according to God's laws? Love your neighbor as yourself. There's just two commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength, right? And the second is like unto the first, love your neighbor as yourself. You've got to fall in love. You've got to be loving. That's this law, the, this perfect law of liberty is, is a law of love. And you know, love doesn't depend on the person receiving it. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, even when we were sinners, Christ died for us. It didn't depend on how good we was, it depended on his decision to love us. And so your love for your neighbor does not depend on his, his uh, uh, worthiness to receive it. It depends on the implanted word of God. It says, love your neighbor as yourself. All right, I'm going to love my neighbor as myself. How much do you love yourself? Well, most of us love ourselves pretty much. There's nothing I wouldn't do for me. Well, come on now, I'm not the only one. I mean, most of us take pretty good care of ourselves. How many of you missed a meal today? You see, most of us take pretty good care of ourselves. You make sure that you got a place to sleep, right? Make sure that you got what you need. Well, it says to love your neighbor as yourself. That means maybe I ought to make sure that my neighbor isn't doing without. If I love him the way I love myself, boy, most of us don't do without anything if it's within our grasp to do it. Right? I'm looking out there, and I don't see anybody shaking their head, yeah. But it's true. If we got the ability to do it, we'll do it. 
for ourselves. And it says we're to love our neighbors ourselves. That means if we got the ability, then we should. Turn to, with me to 1 Peter 2. First Peter 2, verse 15. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you may put, it, put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. As free, see you're at liberty, yet not using your liberty as a cloak for vice, but as servants of God. Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. We're free. Hallelujah, we're free. But I choose to be a servant of the Lord. You see, it's not because he's telling me I have to be. It's because I want to be. I'm free to be a slave of Jesus Christ. I'm a love slave. I do it because I love him. And if you are doing any Christian work for anything other than the love of Christ, you're doing it for the wrong reason. If you come to church for any other reason other than you love Jesus Christ, you come to church for the wrong reason. We have young people who don't want to sit in service. Do you know that? Well, I say there's something wrong with their love affair with Jesus Christ if they don't want to sit in the service. Because you can't separate Jesus from the Word. If you love Jesus, you love the Word. If you love the Word, you love Jesus. All right. So you look into this law of liberty, and you, all of a sudden, you have a revelation. Oh, that's what it's saying. And as you begin to see it, you take it into your mind. And then it goes into your heart. And what goes into the heart does what? It comes out of your mouth, but where else does it come out? Out of the heart proceeds the issues of life. That's what you live by. What you believe what you believe with your gray matter is, and, and it is, goes into your heart is what you're controlled by. If I believe in stealing, then I'm going to be a thief. If I believe in free sex, then I'm going to be a womanizer. Right? If I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, then I'm going to live according to the principles set down by Jesus Christ. See, whatever you believe, you'll act upon. The only ones that don't is the demons. They believe in Jesus Christ, 
But they sure don't accept him. You know, you can reject a thought. You can reject truth. Did you know that? You don't have to accept it. I've seen a lot of young people, they know that what I'm saying is truth and they'll still turn their, turn their back on it. I've seen adults do that. Hallelujah. So, out of the heart proceeds the issues of life. And then in verse 25 there, it, it talks about continuance. You, you know, it, they don't just look in this law of liberty and then go on and do their own thing. What's it say there? It says, but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues. Continu You've got you to constantly hold the image that you see in your heart. That revelation that was given to you of Jesus Christ, you've got to hold it in your heart. You know, we, it's surprising how quick we forget things. My wife is always having to remind me of things. The older I get, the more she has to remind me. Really? Of course, don't look at me that way, George. It gets worse. <laughs> except for except for Gil. Yeah. <laughs> but it's the same way in the spiritual world. We have to keep reminding ourselves of that image we see of Jesus Christ and that, that image we see of him changing us into his image. We have to keep reminding ourselves of that. We have to remind ourselves of the law of love. Right? Continue in that revelation. Oh, I know the revelation. As I love her, I'm loving God. Now, I can walk out and forget that. But I need to remember that. That in loving my neighbor, I'm loving God. How many of you want to love God this, this evening? All you got to do is love the, love the people around you. Amen. It's the law of love. Okay. Hallelujah. Let me give you uh, three practical exhortations here. First of all, cultivate the habit of contemplating when you read a chapter, contemplate what, what is it saying? I mean, really, really uh, mull it over in your mind. What is the central principle being taught here? And how does it affect me? What in this principle is God saying to me? See, so many of us just read over it and well this is a letter from James to some some uh, people that are scattered abroad and and uh, they got all the history down on it and everything but there's a principle that's timeless and it's being taught here and he's saying 
Grab a hold of that principle. It's the implanted word that's going to save your soul. All right, God's telling me I've got to read the word more. I've got to get the word into my heart. Right? I've got to put aside the things that are against righteousness. I've got to pick up the things that will make for righteousness. I'm not supposed to get angry. I'm supposed to love. You see, as you read this over, there's some principles here that God is speaking to you. The second thing is, cultivate the habit of meditation. Meditate. Take, take just one verse. Let's take one. Let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath and you take that verse and you meditate on it and God will begin to say this is what I want this is what I'm telling you I remember one time I was meditating on it it's no longer I that liveth but Christ that liveth in me I got so excited over that verse, I printer drove off the road. <clears throat> Cultivate the habit of uh, letting the truth motivate your conduct. If you know a truth, then you ought to do the truth. Amen? And I want you to note that there's a promise here in verse uh, 25. It says, those that are doers of the word work, they're blessed. How many want to get blessed? All you got to do is do the work. Do what, what's expected. Do the will of God. And you're going to get blessed. Amen? Oh, I don't mean that you're going to have big castles and Cadillacs and That's not, that's not real blessing. You know what, the, what a real blessing is? To know that you're in the will of God. That is the greatest blessing any man will ever get. Knowing that you're in the will of God. Paul said, I've learned to be content in whatever state I find myself. Why? Because he knew he was in the will of God. He was perfectly content. He wasn't upset about anything. He knew no matter where he was, God was with him. Amen? And he knew that Jesus would give him the power to go through it. Hallelujah. There's a great delight in living truth. Turn with me to 1 John 1, 7. 1 John 1 and verse 7. It says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, then we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. See, if we're living in the light, light's another word for truth, isn't it? Isn't that another word for truth? 
If I'm living in the truth, then I have fellowship with the truth. Jesus is the truth, right? We have fellowship with each other. There, can you think of any greater blessing than having fellowship with Jesus? Isn't that a blessing? And so you live in the truth. Live according to the light that you have. 